1: And we're back on the high spot with uh, Jeff Martin, i and Brian Berga, and Jeff, we have a great guest lined up. We have a lot of great guests that show up on the show, but uh, this one's particularly, uh, he's an entrepreneur, he's CEO of uh, Internet Marketing Expert, a sports writer, host of Forbes Magazine, I mean, he basically does it all now. We're a lot
2: of hats, too, man. I mean, what, uh, when he found the time to come on with us is, is beyond me, but we thank him for, for coming on, and that's uh, Anthony DeMauro, uh contributor to Forbes Magazine, uh, podcast host himself uh, with the Anthony Demaro podcast and also uh, uh Forbes Sports Money podcast. Anthony, how you doing, man? I know right now you're in a much better weather climate than we are, but uh, how you doing today?
0: I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for the introduction. I uh, I must have a big head wearing so many hats, but uh, <laughs> I feel for you guys. I'm a native New Yorker, so when people say, "Oh, cold weather down here," and it's you know they consider this a cold front, and we're in the '60s, mid '60s. I'm looking at this as like this is like a summer day for us up in New York, so I definitely feel your pain. I appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, no problem, man. Uh, listen, too, you know, we
2: we can't complain. We had great, like, 60-degree weather, kind of crazy the last couple of weeks, and now we're actually paying for it now as it is uh, yep.
0: brutal out there.
2: It is brutal exactly. out
0: there. Exactly. It, it all just waits to hammer you all at once. Yeah, kind of how it goes. So I was really interested because you had a lot of great, uh, you hit a lot of great points with
2: uh, with wrestling, and, and that's what we like to do here. We like to have like you know great wrestling talk, and of course the, we are literally getting really close to the Royal Rumble, and everyone has their own theories, and it seems like last year everyone again had their own theories of what was going to happen in the Rumble, and I think that's what the best part is about the Rumble. Um, but, you know, last year it kind of fell flat because no one was pulling for Roman Reigns. Exactly, how do you, th- you think this Royal Rumble is going to fall flat, or do you think we're actually going to get a, a, a great surprise, maybe one or two, uh, this coming Sunday?
0: Well, here's the thing. I think the WWE, I, I think if we look at it, um, when we take out surprise entrance to the equation, I think it's pretty clear, the writing on the wall at least in my opinion, and it seems to be consensus, is that Triple H is going to walk in there, he's going to be the 30th entrant, or he's going to come in, which I think would be great as a heel to come in there as the 31st entrance in a 30-man battle royal and take the title from Reigns. I hope that's not the scenario, because, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like this authority storyline, which is going on over two years now, has run its course, and... You know, I like the work Triple H is doing in NXT, and I like him appearing at WrestleMania. This guy's in tremendous shape. He's a great worker. Uh, he can draw. But that I think it's too predictable, and that's where kind of WWE falls into a trap where it becomes too predictable. But I think the saving grace this year is they're going to have a heck of a debut. I think, well, a couple surprises there. I, I think everyone, it's no, no secret that AJ Styles is uh, WWE-bound. It's just a question of if he makes his debut at the Royal Rumble or the night after. I think it's going to be in the Rumble. Uh, I think we may. Uh, I have an inkling, and uh, a very good source told me, a strong prob- probability that Daniel Bryan could be making his return. And my, my theory is he could pot- make that return at the Royal Rumble. So we're looking at a couple of surprise entrants. Um, in my for- latest Forbes article discussing the Royal Rumble, uh, a couple surprises in there I, I thought, That would be nice to see. You know, we're going to have our old-school pops. We'll see Kevin Nash showing up as diesel, baby Booker T jumping in there. But that's what makes the Rumble so special. So I think the WWE, from a storyline perspective, kind of will kick itself in the butt as they did last year. Not so much, but they're going to be saved because I think all the talk will be about the debut of AJ Styles and some other uh, WWE performers showing up as well.
1: Well, Anthony, speaking of AJ Styles, I'm I'm one that's really excited that he's coming on board. Uh, I was kind of wondering if he was going to go to NXT, but from what rumors are circulating, he's going to be basically a main roster guy. Whether he debuts at the Rumble or debuts on the Monday after that, we don't know yet. But my main concern with something like that, when I found out that the Bullet Club was you know, supposedly signed with the WWE and AJ was coming over, excited as a fan pure heart that he was coming over, but then a little concerned. You know, AJ is is something that everybody always says, not the stereotypical or the prototype of what a WWE superstar might be. Uh, is there any concern on your part of how the WWE is going to use him right now? I mean, they have so many injuries, so there is d- going to be a spot open for him. It just depends on what. Do you think Vince is going to fall into the same pattern where, you know, unlike his own creations, he's not going to be able to know what to do with AJ because he's had so much history prior to going to WWE?
0: No, I don't think that's a problem anymore. I think that, that narrative has kind of run its course as well because the, you look down at NXT, they, they like to say it's a developmental, but they're really just plucking up the indies and putting them there. I mean, everybody in the indies, and they just they put them through the performance center, and they which I think a lot of the bullet club is going to go in there and start. I think AJ Styles is the only one to start of the main roster. I think the belief with that is and basically, he's a big draw. And they're, they, let me say they put a, spent a considerable amount of money to get AJ Styles there. I think there's some buzz out there that TNA was in negotiations with him. Um, by the way, which I got to say is a very unprofessional uh, Bush League approach. TNA just put releasing a statement kind of ripping them apart by AJ Styles and Bullet Club and Company about um, remaking on a deal they had made. I thought that was tremendously unprofessional. Um, but that, that aside, I'm not concerned how they're going to use AJ Styles. He's, he's a great athlete. Everyone wrestles, wrestles the WWE way, which is a lot of, um, I, I think, spots. But that's what you're seeing, like the high spots. I think there's too much emphasis on the high spots rather than the, the, the content and the, um, the moveset and telling the story in the ring. So we've got a lot of talent in NXT that's come up, and a lot of them rely on the high spots, and they think that's it instead of just telling the story. I think AJ Styles comes in. I don't think they're going to alter much of what he does as a whole, other than kind of have him wrestle in the WWE mode, um, but I think he's going to be a great influence on that roster. He's going to be able to have great matches. I mean, imagine if Daniel Bryan does come back. AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan would be a tremendous matchup. AJ Styles and I'm a big fan of Tyler Breeze. I'd love to see those two in the ring together. No, oh,
1: definitely, uh, but, me too.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the, those type of dream scenarios, Regardless how they utilize him, yeah, they're going to put him. Through, I think it's almost like a. a trial by fire with wwe they see great talent and then they bury them to rebuild them i mean we see it with cesaro you see seen with daniel bryan they bury them to build them it's, it's kind of like that process so i anticipate and let's let's be honest here the internet wrestling community iw state they're never happy no one's ever going to be happy they want they're the they're the best bookers in the business is the internet fans i'm not knocking them because they do raise a lot of good points but patience is a virtue in the wrestling game and you got to look at the big picture so, I think, I think there's going to be a point where they're going to be frustrated with how AJ Styles is utilized and being booked. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it's going to be a great kit for WWE. I think he's going to help them internationally. Um, he's going to help pay per view buys, they count them. He's going to help network subscriptions. So, I think it's going to be a big win, and it'll have its up and down moments. But overall, I think it'll be a good thing.
2: Well, something we do emphasize is definitely the High Spot because we are the High Spot Podcast. Thanks for the plug there, Anthony.
0: Like how he taking that <laughs> way in there, huh? <laughs> uh
2: another question I have for you is yes, you know, AJ Styles, the only thing my concern would be on AJ Styles is, you know, his his promo ability is uh it, it's it's maybe it leaves a little bit to desire. Uh he does have like that southern kind of twang kind of kind of promo style which may be a uh a uh negative for him, but uh his in ring should Be should you know supersede that, but that's a concern that I have for AJ Styles is is the promos. I think he should be short and sweet and to the point. But you know, not only is AJ Styles uh, a rumored name to be at the Royal Rumble, but also it's not just AJ Styles. It's the Bullet Club and a lot of its members. And I look at you know the rumored names: Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, and and one that's really intriguing. And I got to ask you is Shinsuke Nakamura. Now I've 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 done my homework recently on this guy and he's very impressive but again here I don't want to say the WWE stereotypes but if you look at past Japanese wrestlers do you think that the WWE is actually going to give him a fair shot because this guy can be not only a a great asset for them in the ring but also you know if he's given the opportunity he can you know promote in japan and he can open up a new audience do you think he'll get a fair shot in the wwe
0: well on in wwe i think i think those three gentlemen that you just mentioned i think they're going straight to nxt i think that is going to be huge for them because that's going to open up a lot of touring possibilities for nxt and to go internationally and draw a lot of the you got to think that WWE is, is expanding globally with the WWE Network. So putting um, those talents, who are very well known in Japan, on NXT is a brilliant, brilliant move,
1: brilliant move
0: because it's going to force network subscribers in all these foreign countries that they're picking up—Japan, China, all those places they're are, uh, potentially expanding to or already expanded to—that's where the money is. And let's be honest: um, if you're talking about WWE, well, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Monday well, Night Raw is sports entertainment, whereas NXT, at least in my opinion, is professional wrestling. And there's an argument that goes back and forth, and maybe those maybe they blur the lines on the show with each. But I think if you're a true pro wrestling fan, you like NXT's product a little bit more. But if you love sports entertainment, you're more tuned into Raw. Where you know, so I feel like a professional wrestler, especially the talent purges coming in from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they're better suited. For uh, NXT, whereas AJ Styles, who's already been, he had a run in TNA, you know, sports entertainment, TNA sports entertainment, I think he's more suited for the main roster. So that's what I think the comparison is. And I think they're going to stick those guys down in NXT. Let me tell you something. You said this, we were having this discussion a year and a half ago, two years ago, it looks like a downgrade NXT. I think NXT is its own promotion now. It's its own brand I would dare, dare say if you've compared that to TNA, a lot of people pick NXT over TNA. Um, that's how much it's grown. So I don't think if I'm a free agent and I'm going to NXT or, or Raw, and let's just say I'm on the level of like a, a Gallows or, or any of those other guys from, not named AJ Styles, um, I don't look at that as like, oh, I'm going to the minors. I don't think it's the minor leagues anymore. Not, not by any stretch of the imagination. So... Uh, I do. I do think they're going to get utilized well. I think NXT is just—it's going to make their talent and their development that much better working with those guys. I,
2: I find myself watching NXT overall on SmackDown. It's—it's it's an hour. It's condensed. You get wrestling and you get—you know—good promos and—and and they tell stories. They're given the time to tell stories. But uh, you know, definitely, hey, if that's—if that's the case, then I think they're going to be—they're <laughs> going to be a great a- asset to the NXT roster.
1: I mean, Anthony oh, brought up a good point. He said that basically, you watch Raw and SmackDown for the majority of the part; it's sports entertainment. You watch NXT. Which is, you know, Triple H's baby, and it's basically for the pure wrestling fans what we enjoyed watching, you know, at least what I enjoyed watching back in the nineties. You know, speaking of NXT, you're right, Anthony. I consider it a brand of its own. I wasn't, never went to any ECW live events, but I've, we've gone. Jeff and I have gone to a couple of NXT takeovers, some live events, and it's a it's a different type of atmosphere if you go to a WWE live event or a Raw or SmackDown like it was before in the past. Uh, speaking of, you know, saying it's not going to be. You know, as a talent gets signed, it's not going to be basically a uh, sent down to the minors because it's a league of its own. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the acquisition now of Austin Aries? Is he somebody that you could see, obviously starting NXT now, could shoot shoot himself up to the main roster and be on that level and maybe feud with AJ Styles? Who knows?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's somebody I definitely could see going up to the main roster. And again, the NXT process is so great because I mean, we look at look at Samoa Joe, who I could. Uh, you know, when he signed, I think the initial thought was, oh, when's he coming on the main roster? Or now is when you see what he's been doing in NXT, it's kind of like, I think he's great for NXT. And not to say he wouldn't shine on the main roster, but he's doing great things in NXT and he's really helping out that talent. So I, you know, I think it's, it's a um, kind of individual basis with whatever talent comes in. And some of them may be better suited to stay down in NXT and work it and shine there because they're touring now. You know, they got, they're doing live events all over the country. They're going to want to go global. I mean, if you did, they went global. They went over and did the London takeover. They did all of that stuff. So when we're looking at individual talents coming in, and let's face it, unless these are well-known, nationally known um, to the casual fan, I mean, you guys and myself, we're hardcore. You guys have been watching since the 90s. I've been watching since, like, the late 80s. So our our catalog of wrestling. Well, you've
1: you've been watching that. since the '80s. I think that deserves a round indeed. of applause, Jeff. I think there that... you
0: go, round applause. I'm an '80s baby too.
2: So I my first my first thing was Hogan, Hogan and uh, Bad News Brown at the Meadowlands. So that that was my first taste of uh, oh, wow of WWF. So that, so I, I'm an '80s baby too. So I uh, we were Attitude Era fans, but that's where I got my first uh, taste of uh, WWF, and that was at the uh, the Meadowlands here yeah. with uh, Hulk Hogan and Bad News Brown headlining the event.
0: Oh, wow. Just to yeah. take myself, myself a little bit, I remember going to the video store and renting the Coliseum home video. Yes! Uh, how, great,
2: how great when Blockbuster had those wrestling... Had, you'd go to the wrestling section, sports, and you'd pick out, like, SummerSlam 89 yep. or something like that and pop it in, exactly.
0: right? Yep, yeah, One of my earliest memories was sneaking up to my parents' room and watching the blindfold match between Jake the Snake Roberts and the model Rick Martel. So, um, that definitely... Uh, but, yeah, it's like. If any two
1: could have Martin. pulled him off, it was Jake Roberts and Rick DeMar and Montel. They could have pulled that off.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly, right? Jake Roberts. Just put him in there. And, uh, and you know, talk about somebody who is underappreciated. Rick Martel, completely underappreciated in the industry because he was a heck of a worker, but that's a whole nother conversation. But my main point was you and we, we all, three of us talking right now, we have the, oh, this vast catalog where. We know who an uh, AJ Styles body of work, but to the casual sports entertainment fan, um, having somebody come in and kind of guessing at what their name, oh, who is this, and having people, like when Sting got introduced, there was a lot of reintroduction of Sting and his backstory, Or you and I are like, oh, my God, Sting, we know it all. You're not going to tell us anything. Or, um, so my point is, when you bring a talent into NXT, and you and I are flipping out because we've watched them, are we seeing their tapes, uh, New Japan for Wrestling, TNA, or old school WCW, ECW? The newer fans, I mean, anybody probably 18 years or younger, probably unless it's like a big international, hard, big name, we're talking, let's just say Hogan, for instance, that type of name, or John Cena coming in, the anticipation isn't there. So that's why I like the introduction into NXT first where it's the buzz can be built up and then you let people like us do our jobs and we talk about it to nauseum, and hype build the hype train where like the younger fans are starting to tune in and they're like, oh, what's all this talk? Then they start researching on on WWE network. They start seeing the matches. They put two and two together and then when they make their debut on the main roster, it all hits in all cylinders. And I don't know. I just painted out that blueprint, but that's a marvelous blueprint. WWE has. I mean, think about that.
1: Yeah, you, when you really think about it, we're the workhorses. We're actually helping WWE by talking about all these guys, and yet we're not getting any royalties for it. What's going on here? Come
0: on, man! I gotta, we gotta check <laughs> I out on that check. I think that's. I think once this blizzard takes over, we should just start an online movement. We we want our we want our commissions. We want we're our share to, to brainstorm that, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh man, but you were talking about like Samoa Joe, and we're talking about like you know sometimes it is better to me for some of these guys just to stay in NXT. And I'll give you some examples. You got Tyler Breeze that. You know, rumors are saying that Vince is, is tired of him. I don't know. After five weeks, after two basically months, basically quit on him. Yeah, you're you're t- you're tired of the guy, or is he in the doghouse for? And and you know what? WWE has some strange reasons why to be in a doghouse. You know what I mean? That is the weirdest. Like to get heat in wrestling is probably like the weirdest that the weirdest stuff to get heat on. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But yeah. guys like Tyler Breeze, you know, and Neville, who I think should be competing for a US or Intercontinental Championship right now. In, How about the Ascension? Oh, well, to really? me, they're the biggest. They're the biggest disappointment, so, uh, like of all, of all of them.
0: But now, do you think Neville's more of a product of because I see this is the thing. I I think Neville's excellent in the ring. Uh, I, the personality um, does not come through at all. He seems he seems very Dean Malenko-ish to me. If you get the point, like no no like flair personality or anything. He's got a heck of an in- and uh, he blows Dean Malenko away as far as like high flying and stuff like that. But I think you guys get my comparison is. Oh, he's an NXT he no guy. If, if, if you're if you're picking NXT WWE guy, he's an NXT guy because
2: his wrestling will do the talking. Unfortunately, up yep. here, you know, he's got to find he's he's got to like find a way to to reach the audience where his wrestling reaches the audience uh, in NXT. So he's not allowed to whether it's given the proper time or whether it's you know they back him or not to, to show himself in in yeah. WWE. So he's not to me. He's 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 really underutilized, and where they you know now we're heading into mania, and right now they should be pushing guys like Neville and you know and and Tyler Breeze because now they're really lacking uh, on the mid card. But I mean, there's just guys to me that I think um, they're they're better off in NXT. Like like for example, Finn Balor stated that he wants to stay in NXT, and I you know and here's a guy that maybe and if you think about it, he's 188, 188 pounds. Right,
1: one ninety soaking wet.
2: One ninety soaking wet. He's a guy who works great in NXT, but you know you kind of get worried if he ever gets pushed up to, to to the main roster. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? That that's the thing, and that's I think that speaks volumes of how valuable NXT is. Where you have an international star who, what's uh, when he was Prince Devitt, he was, um, you know, really contemplating going back and forth and signing with WWE NXT because he felt like it was a little bit lower than what he wanted to go. Now he's like staying there. Now, naturally, when you're the champion of a growing product that's getting catching fire, why would you want to leave with your, spot, your cushy spot right there? You know what I'm saying? So um, there are guys, but vice versa. I think there's guys in WWE right now that oh, haven't been in NXT that deserve to go down in NXT and are just great workers. So, you know, um, I think it goes both ways. But I think WWE still, the appeal of being in front of millions of people, building your brand is excellent. And we talked about Neville a little bit. I know Neville hasn't been booked maybe as strongly as people would have liked, but I think he got a hell of a character to get in there. I know people will look at that and be like, well, they kind of portraying him as a superhero. He's got the John Cena makeup. I mean, that is to appeal to kids, sell his merchandise. Um, if he caught on with that personality at all, sold, he could have sold that merchandise, appealed to children. That's the saving grace. Then you become a monetized value to WWE. It kind of makes you bulletproof there, and then you get your push. It, it, it's amazing to me because you know, sometimes it, the glove doesn't fit, so to speak. You know, I'm pulling out my O.J. Simpson trial
1: stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you saw, the, you saw those fit? previews on FX, didn't
2: you? Oh, my God. you think that's going to be, though. Have you seen those previews where Keeba Gooden Jr. is going to be O.J.? And they're going to do, like, oh, a, like a miniseries? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, well,
0: anything to get money. I'm telling you, anything to get money.
2: Wow, I mean, like, man, it's it's crazy. How old I feel like ninety four, right? It's like over, like almost twenty years that this happened, uh, and it's like, wow, yeah. you just realize how fast time goes. But, well,
0: um, <laughs> you know, I will we, see this: my last, sorry, uh, like one last point, one thing I think WWE is failing completely at NXT. I'm a huge fan of watching old, um, not old, but like from the nineties and eighties because of the managers we had, um. Sherry, sensational sherry, Queen Sherry. We have Bobby the Brainheen who I think is the greatest manager ever walked here. earth. So you got Agreed. Paul Heyman. And we're not we're not building any managers. We have I mean you look at um, uh, the tag team, um, with Carmella on the outside, she's just standing there chanting with them. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like all right, where are we really building a manager, like a Mr. Fuji or a, you know something or a Paul Bearer, The real mouthpiece you can bring up and enhance the roster for someone like Neville, if he had a mouthpiece? Then absolutely, and like look at Roman Reigns. I mean, the only thing, I mean, I get why people are frustrated with Roman Reigns. Dude's a dude's a solid worker. He's improved. Terrible on the mic. You, Terrible you, on the mic.
2: Listen, if you ask Brian about Roman Reigns, he'll, you know, I have more, I have more of a uh, upside to me in Reigns. I think he can work. I think, uh, you know, I think he's got the look. Um, yep. Again, but again, it's just the the problem If he had a mouthpiece, or again, if he was a heel. I think it'd be much better, but but as babyface, and you know Vince is going to push him to the moon. That's who he wants the face to be. So, you know, it's it, it's tough with Roman Reigns, uh, but um, but yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you. You have you know you have your set pieces of guys like Horkin, WDB, and NXT.
0: Yeah, exactly. But uh, I'm just a fan, of old school. Let's get some managers out there, or it's no longer pushing on the main guy, but you know somebody else that maybe wasn't a wrestler that come in, and interfere in matches, be strong. And uh, enhance the talent, and I think that was
1: missing. Well, talk about old school and how we're dating ourselves here now. You know, you <laughs> brought up a great point about you know the value of a manager or, in this case, an advocate, whatever you want to call it, or valet has really diminished itself. I think from one example I can think of was with Rusev and Lana, but then it became to the point where Lana was more important than Rusev, which was actually the opposite effect. I mean, I can go on and on with you guys. I'm sure we can go on and on of how yeah. you know creative and storyline goes because we're the listen, wrestling listen. purists, so we're all great that, bookers.
2: On that, my opinion is the best thing that ever happened was Lana showed the engagement ring on social media, and they scrapped that angle. That's the best thing she could have done for for Rusev's career, if you ask me. Because if that the yeah. way the storyline was going... I mean, I, she probably was like, "You know what? I'll take the heat for you, babe." And you know what? Uh, and and because this is killing you, so I think that was the best thing that ever happened to that to that whole storyline.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, Rusev's a double winner because he gets Lana back, and uh, he's you know now with the League of Nations. But you know, which
0: is an awesome stable. I love the idea of that. And, yeah, I'm still uh, waiting to see how how it
1: develops. Ahead. That you know, because you, you have great talent there, great personalities. You just you're trying to figure out like they have an identity, obviously, they're the League of Nations, but you're trying to see where they're going to go from here because, you know, stables are underrated nowadays, but something that I felt that's really been diminishing now and I think is in dire need of... Some help, tremendous help is the tag team division. That's basically become non existent. You I mean, you talk about, you know, demolition, the Legion of Doom, the Heart Foundation, oh. the Rockers, the Rujo brothers, the British Bulldogs, the Killer Bees. I can go on and on with the great tag he teams we used spoiled. to have that's there. But
2: the problem is, we've been spoiled. That's, that, that, that's, that's been
1: but I think we've been spoiled, but at the same time, I think the same formula works. But in this day and age, and would you agree with me, Anthony? Like, I understand we're no longer the demographic anymore. I get it. But at the same time, the same formula still works. How do you create new stars? And I've said this to Jeff countless times on the show. You create new stars not necessarily by using the Performance Center or going through NXT and then bringing them up from there. But tag teams. That's where, I mean, a perfect example here. And and guys, see if you agree with me or not. Uh, The Lucha Dragons. From those two, you would now have a potential superstar in Kalisto. Who's basically an, another version of Rey Mysterio version two and now he's a single star. The crowd's behind him. You develop talent by bringing these teams together, and j- look at look at Gable and, and Jordan. Perfect oh, example. I love those, guys. those two guys would be perfect singles competitors, but they work so well together. They're able to develop a personality, and you know I think that's how you create superstars. The tag team division has to be revived, and that's where we're going to see stars emerge faster than uh, you know if we go through the you know, developmental system supposedly. What do you think?
0: Um, well, actually, I, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I actually like the tag team division right now, and I'll give you an really? example. Because a couple of years, we had the end over storylines. You remember this for like five, seven years? We'd have, oh, uh, whoever's feuding with the champion, those two would get pitted against each other and then win the tag team titles. And I got so sick of that. It's so, cut, copy and paste with the same storyline scenario. I actually think we have an influx of good tag teams right here. And you talked about Kalisto. That's a great example. I think that's more due to circumstance than planning. And I'll give you all the injuries. I think they needed a good – someone to build as a baby face. And they looked ahead and said, all right, Kalisto is good enough in the ring to have this high spot to get people over. He's got the underdog, and the fans love underdogs. So the thinking there was splitting them up. And um, I don't even know if they're officially split up yet. You know, they haven't come out and – and said, oh, no more Lucha Dragons, I think it's just because their lack of talent, healthy talent on the roster right now. But I, pr- I personally like the tag team division kind of getting revived. We have an influx of talent coming in there. And one thing I'll say, one bold prediction I'll say about the Royal Rumble is, I totally believe they're going to split up the Dudley boys. At the point time. I think they're going to turn uh, Bubba Dub's Dudley uh, heel and I think that'd be brilliant for them to do it because Bully Ray and TNA was just, he struck gold with that character. I'm down for Bully Ray. Sign me up right now. Yep, I, I think that would be the smart thing to do. Um, and the Dudley boys had a nice pop there. The people care. Primetime players, I mean, they lo- they've always liked Titus O'Neil, but I think what WWE does, and they safeguarded themselves, aside from the Ascension, who... I gotta be honest with you, I don't see anything that differentiates themselves. They were great in NXT, I thought, and then when they got it to WWE, and I don't think this is WWE's fault, but those guys just don't look the part to me. I mean, they don't, fully, you're comparing uh, the Legion of Doom, they were jacked guys, so when they painted their faces and they were the World Warriors or the Legion of Doom, it fit. they looked like monsters, they looked like terrors, where the Ascension... I mean, these guys, I mean, they're big guys, but they're not like, and I'm not saying it's uh, the jack type needs to be there, but in certain scenarios with characters, it just doesn't fit. And to me, I think that's what held them back. But I think there are good tag teams in the WWE, more so in the past two years than the prior five years. And I think the tag team titles have more significance so much so that maybe we're going to see it on the WrestleMania main show rather than the pre-show. Speaking of the tag team
1: look. titles, though, sorry to cut you off there, but speaking of the tag yeah. team titles, I so badly miss those old school titles. What oh are, man, like, old like, school, these, old school. We're like going These here. bronze titles, I have no idea what the theory is behind that. Every single title in the WWE is gold, and these titles are bronze. Is that kind of given as symbol as this is less significant? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, they're, I think I forgot who mentioned it on social media. I may bring yeah, I thought it was the Dudleys. I think the Dudleys tweeted something. Oh, they would about bring it one. back if if
2: they would yep. if they won it, they would bring it back, which is great. Also, that Divas title got to go too. I oh mean, yeah, you really gotta go. that that's. That division needs to go. Yeah, that diva's title is course. An atrocity. Anthony, I agree more on you on the side of the tag team is is a a better place, I think, and 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 a big part is the new day. I think what they've done, they've taken that imaginary brass ring that Vincent McMahon likes to talk about and I think they've done a great job. I mean recently last couple of weeks have been a little bit kind of uh I don't know, it's been been out of the box the last couple of weeks, kind of gone a little bit ooh, a little bit to the extreme, but I think their body of work the last six months or so has really uh, helped that division.
0: Exactly. Now, who, who would dare say, looking at the New Day right now, that that's a terrible gimmick? Nobody. But when it started, looked terrible. This was ridiculous. And again, it's about making it fit. They made it fit, and that's what is the, the secret here. So that's where it goes back to Neville. They gave him this character, and I feel he dropped the ball with it. So you see what I'm saying? It's like the yeah. comparison. is like, well, the New Day took this, on paper, ridiculous scenario, they made fun of it. They made it theirs. They owned it. They rocked with it. And I don't think any any of them uh, beforehand, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, or Big E, were any good talkers on the mic then. You get them in the perfect scenario, boom, it all hits in all cylinders. So when we're looking at a team like the Ascension and we're looking at someone like Neville, then that argument becomes all right, then maybe it isn't the booking. It isn't always the booking. Maybe it's just opportunity. And maybe it's just like yeah. maximizing opportunity.
1: So, Do you believe in that whole thing of Vince McMahon, the. Uh... The brass ring. Because a lot of people Absolutely. are always torn between, does this exist? Does it really exist? I, for one, always feel it doesn't exist. Because, and, and, there, and here's the reason why. Because I see constant examples, and the biggest example for me is Cesaro. This is a guy oh, yeah. who, who got over on the crowd, WrestleMania 30, when he, when he threw the big show over the top rope. The whole crowd stood up. He had fire. He had the crowd behind him. And... Now it's like, whose fault is that? He's grabbed the brass ring. He's proven he can get over. So so what more does he have to do? Granted, he's not the greatest on a mic. But again, neither was a, a perfect example. That I always use Bret Hart. He was never the greatest on the mic. He's one of the most popular superstars in the WWE as well. So w- yeah. w- what's the problem here? Sometimes we like to say it's not the storyline or the writing or the creative team. But sometimes, you know, I hate to say this, but I think it's too scripted. The fact sometimes you have to let guys fail and fall on their own. That's the only way they learn, And Cesaro had done that plenty of times, given terrible uh, situations and tried to make the most of them, and the crowd appreciates that and it finally got over. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think the brass ring exists or, or it yeah, does?
2: Cesaro's section was all his, I mean, I think was his own thing. I mean, so, yeah. The, the w- crowd I just
1: came up comment. with it. He he, yeah. he goes on to admit that no, he never came up with that. The crowd oh. just came up with it.
0: Yeah, and, and that's, that's one thing getting over for him. But, you know, injuries have slowed him down. And, he, and you know, you got to think of those two. Bumps in the road have been has been his injuries but the thing with the Cesaro and this is the thing I agree with you 100% hell of a worker but then I put myself in WWE's creative where they got to meet ratings every week and they want to beat and beat the horse and be the best there Do you really feel comfortable over a extended period of time with Cesaro carrying your company and your brand on TV where he is the main selling point he's the ticket seller and I don't feel comfortable there right now. You put a title on Brock Lesnar, I know Brock Lesnar is going to put butts that weren't originally there or there by proxy in the seat. I know if I put that title on John Cena, same thing happens. I know if I put it on a Randy Orton, same thing happens. So what my point being is, you put Cesaro on a World Heavyweight title, just like you did with Dolph Ziggler, how drastically does it change the title picture? Because when Dolph Ziggler got it, aside from the initial pop, what did he really do with the roster? Did he enhance his character at all? And no, it's. I think when I think the problem is, is you could see potential, but is it a potential to plateau or is it a potential to keep keep exceeding? And I think that could be the case. With I'm not saying Cesaro couldn't or can't do that, mm-hmm. but I see the reason in the delay. It's like, all right, he has a pop here for a moment, but there's a lot of matches where can you really say um, can you really say he has five star matches all the time? He has good spots. I think they're, they're crafty, a great feats of strength, but other than that, flexing of the muscles, does he really have the type of matches like uh, like a Bailey and Sasha Banks that has talked about for uh, talked about for weeks, where it kind of forces them into this superstar atmosphere and makes them sellable? Because I don't see that from Cesaro, and I haven't seen it for the past year. And the only time I did see it was when when him and Tyson Kidd were tag team champions. And they got really over there. So, I think the Cena match, too, was good. That's, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean, to argue yeah. your point,
1: that Cena thing, I thought that was kind of his second his second come around. And I agree with you. I mean, I mean, you used Dolph Ziggler. I mean, Daniel Bryan can be another example, too. He's the fan's choice, and then he gets injured. And so was Dolph. He immediately got injured and got a concussion. Thanks a lot, Jack Swagger. Uh, and you know he basically couldn't continue his title run anymore, anymore. But I mean, you look at guys like, for example, another per example, The Miz. was 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 he really worth it, or is he he just given a shot to say, hey, let's see what he does here. I just feel that they don't do that with guys, not just Cesaro, but hey, what do you have to lose? Because in my opinion, granted, they're a billion dollar company, they're publicly owned, but what competition do they have? It's not like the Monday Night Wars where they're competing with WCW. And we can't afford to put the title Cesaro because if not, we're going to lose the battle. Right now, they're 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 the head of the game. They dictate to us. They say, hey, Roman Reigns is our guy. We don't care what you think. You're going to like him until either you do or you don't. It doesn't matter because, like you said, it's for the kids. I I, I see this comparison to that. But, you know, coming coming a little bit back to the Royal Rumble. We're
2: we're just like, not even like, we're hours and, and, and less than a day away. From, from this one that has a lot of people talking, right,
1: Brian? Yeah, I love these classic, I mean, I wish it went back to the pay-per-views where it's just SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. It'll never happen, but those are always my favorite ones. Just these classic matches, you know they're important. So, who you got going? Who Who's winning it? I, I picked Triple H in this one. I told Jeff, listen, Triple H is going to be the surprise entrance, he's going to take the title, and it's going to be, boom, him and Reigns at Mania. What do you say?
0: All right, I'll give you the, I'll give you guys a couple things I definitely think is going to happen, and then I'll give you a winner and a dark horse.
1: Okay, so, let's be the bookers I, I here. Brock let's be the bookers. Let's make some money off this. this. Is, this WWE's going to listen bro. to this and they going to pay okay. us our royalties. Fine, let's do this.
0: <laughs> Go ahead, Anthony. I think book Brock Lesnar is going to shatter every record at Royal Rumble as far as of um, elimination. He's going to eliminate the most people. He's going he, to. I think that's what's going to. Good point. that protect Brock Lesnar if he loses? Um, he's going to still look like a monster. I think we're going to see a nice return of AJ Styles, a nice debut of AJ Styles, gets a nice pop, maybe Daniel Bryan in the mix. I think Triple H is going to win, but it's going to be a screw job fashion where he comes in at number 31 or he costs Roman Reigns in some way, shape, or form. Dark Horse, if it, if it transpires where Triple H um, and Roman Reigns are eliminated without the title being, and it leaves a couple other people in the ring. Watch Bray Wyatt in this in this rumble, I think. WWE's been sneakily putting him in the title picture and not making a big deal about it. They've been centering on Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and the League of Nations kind of in there. Now all of a sudden the Wyatt family's in there. So I think that's the way to play out. Um, I think that's maybe a surprise from the Undertaker to set up a feud. So I think... Be a lot of dominoes put into place here. You're going to see the feud set up with Triple H and Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar's opponent may or may not be set for WrestleMania by the Royal Rumble, maybe the night after. I think we could see The Undertaker there, and if we do, then I see him kind of working with Bray Wyatt a little bit. Maybe maybe that match happens again, or maybe Bray Wyatt and Brock Lesnar get into it. But um, as far as the Dark Horse and the winner, winner Triple H Dark Horse for me, Bray Wyatt. And who's your final?
2: Who do you think's the final four? The last four guys in there?
0: Bray Wyatt, um, Roman Reigns, Triple H, and I will say Brock Lesnar because they, you know, makes no Ooh, sense for a nice, Brock.
2: That's the that. nice from right there. Yeah,
0: that's, nice that's four. the four I think goes for it because why are you paying Brock Lesnar millions of dollars if he's not going to be the final entrant? That you do? Not the final entrant, but the final person competing for the title or one of the final people. It makes no sense booking wise.
2: Wow, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Brian, is that, is that a great
0: foursome
1: there? That, that's a great foursome. I mean, I couldn't think any better myself. I mean, like I said time and time again, Jeff and I should be writing for the WWE. Anthony, you're in that same boat. I mean, it makes sense. And at the same time, it it makes it exciting because it's still the unknown. You don't know who's going to win, and you don't know how mm-hmm. they're going to play it. And that's, yeah. to me, the most exciting thing about the Royal Rumble.
2: Yeah, but, you know, also, also uh, after the Rumble... Uh, we're talking about the Rumble right now, but also something else that's coming up is the AFC and NFC Championship Games. So we can't forget about that. And, you know, there's also an interesting article that you just posted a few hours ago, too, that I want to get into, but real quick, because, you know, everyone's beaten the Championship Games to death the last week. So just if, for example, if the if the Broncos, I'll do AFC and, Brandon, you want to hit them with the NFC, you can do that. Sure. If the Broncos do this, they'll be going
0: to Super Bowl 50. What do they have to do? Um, they're going to face two teams. uh are probably going to win the Super Bowl. I think Carolina and Arizona are going to be the eventual champions. Uh, if the Broncos go there, if the Patriots go there, the conversation becomes a little bit more interesting. Um, here's the scenario. I think that, I think there's so many storylines with this, or it just came off of WWE, but the storyline with this is Peyton Manning, redemption. It's The redemption story for Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And to have that redemption story going into the Super Bowl 50, NFL's biggest Super Bowl thus far, that's that's gold for them. Wow, um, Jeff, he's humanity.
1: doing a John Cena, The Rock, WrestleMania 29 reference here, yep. redemption, unbelievable.
2: You the saw redemption how you, one. He, he saw how you saw he said gold, uh, too, because it's the gold anniversary for the NFL. He said gold, he added that in there. Anthony, you yeah? should, uh, should be a storyteller or something, too, man. You I mean, <laughs> should add that to your, should add that yeah. to your uh, screenplay writer, too. I like
0: <laughs> I could I could fit that that hat on my head. I think I got enough room. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think for anything. I think this is going to be the true story for Peyton Manning. That's going to oh, excuse me. One of two ways: Peyton Manning wins the big one, walks off with the sunlight sunset. A la John Elway goes out on top, retires. Uh, Peyton Manning and Broncos fall short. They cut ties with Peyton Manning in the off season, and he ends up down in Houston with the Texans. I That's mean, Manning, Manning
2: hasn't looked himself, and would be the first to admit he hasn't looked himself. Do you think? And I mean, in in those drives when they needed to, like they, he didn't take him to the end zone. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. do you think Manning's arm
0: has two two games left in in it? Yeah, I more than yeah? more than that. And the guy's been injury. I let me tell you, even even Manning in his regressed state. You put him, he's a Trent Dilfer for Baltimore Ravens, put it like that. Even his regress state, if he's healthy, he's at least Trent Dilfer on the vaults, two thousand Baltimore Ravens. You give him a great defense, you give him a running game, you give him a couple of receive. I mean, I Pittsburgh game, prime example. It's the healthiest he's been all year. Statistically on paper, still does not look like he had a good game. I thought it was his best game of the year. I thought his throws were good. He's always going to make good decisions. Um, He's always going to make great audibles. He's an on-field coach. He's a leader. He's very respected. So I I think, aside from that, you know, I think he does have two games left in him, and it's all about his health. If this guy is healthy, as he's indicating, then uh, I, I think they can they can go go all the way. They got a great defense. They got a good, solid running game. Good offensive line. They protect him. So I don't. I don't think there's any reason to believe that they can not uh, it just all depends on the Patriots. I mean, how he handles playing New England and that's all what it comes down to because he hasn't been that great against New England in the playoffs at these championship games over his career or championship games to to overall. I mean, let's let's face it. The big game on the line, the AFC Championship, Peyton has lost more than he's won. So It's all about that for me, and aside from that, I think whoever goes to the Super Bowl, um, if it's Denver, then I'm going to say I just think they're eventual losers to either Arizona or Carolina. If it's New England, then it becomes an interesting conversation, no matter who is facing them. So those are my thoughts on that game, and as far as the NFC game goes... um, you know, Carolina and Arizona, great, great, great teams. I mean, great teams, and I, I think they're just—they had the championship feel to them. They—they passed the spell test. So we're gonna, either way, I think we're gonna have a, a great Super Bowl Fifty, and hopefully, it's close because that's what we deserve as fans, and that's what the NFL wants.
1: that very nicely said. Oh wow, I couldn't have said it by myself. That's like, if we're if we're in the courtroom, he just basically sent the guy. Straight to the electric chair. He's <laughs> like, I know. Great points there. Anthony. No yeah. holes in that whatsoever. But you know, speaking of the the NFC uh, championship game, two teams right now, which everybody always wondered, are the Carolina Panthers for real? I think they've already answered that question. They are for real. They have a great balance. I mean, maybe don't have a lot of stars on on wide receiver position, but still, they get things done. You know, stranger things have happened, and they're they feel like a complete team. You look at the Arizona Cardinals and you know, the game with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, what a game that was. Unbelievable how it went to overtime. And then, you know, the whole coin situation and then basically Lair Fitzgerald, you know, this could be his last, you know, his last shot at a, at a Super Bowl. In this situation, where does it mean more to? Do you think it means more to the Arizona Cardinals right now for Lair Fitzgerald and Carson Palmer to, to kind of get over this hump and and make it to the Super Bowl and, and kind of quiet all the naysayers? Or is this more Ken Newton's game to lose?
0: Um, I think it means the same to them all, I think, uh, equally, I think it's all relative. So as far as that's concerned, but I think from the storyline purpose, you got to look at what the NFL's is expecting, um, you know, I think Carson Palmer and earlier Fitzgerald, I mean, let's face it, last time the Cardinals were in the team role, um, they kind of got smoked out by the Steelers right there. There was some controversy in that game, so that, there was some style there, but I also, I kind of moved for Carolina a little bit to get up into that, um, that that game just from this perspective. You know, so much stuff, so much trash has been thrown on Cam Newton and criticism. I kind of want to see him become the uh, the face of the 2015 NFL season as a champion.
1: I think that. Was, Do you think it's fair the fair. criticism he's been given though?
0: Oh uh, yeah, no, no, I don't. Um, can you ask me that
1: again? No, do you think it's fair the criticism gets? I know, I know no, everybody gets all. criticized. I mean, look at the Patriots; they get criticized for winning and maybe cheating, you know, here and there, which they have admitted to cheating. Do you it's think he, he brings a lot? Exactly right. He brings. Does he bring a lot out to himself, or is it just peop, You know, people yeah. just kind of being bitter that he's this talented and he's being that successful.
0: Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know, but I, I know he's been criticized for handing a football on the stand as a kid, and I find that absolutely ridiculous and repulsive for any reporter, any media person to ever take issue with that. Now, if you have an issue with his character because of, you know, indiscretions or anything. I'm not alluding to anything. I'm just, just spitballing here. Then, you know, all right, feel warranted, then that's fine. Or You just don't like his game or you don't like, you know, but nothing more can be said about a guy who's done what he's been doing this season with, a, with Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn. <laughs> one of his main receivers, an offensive line, and an oft-injured backfield. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I, you know, criticism is always warranted until it's, it's disproven. Until you win a championship, and even then, look at Tom Brady. He what's he got? Four Super Bowls under his belt, and he's still getting criticized. So I don't think it's it's a part of the game. It's a part of the game. And Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, two of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen in my lifetime, in our generation, and maybe all time, and they're not. They're not bulletproof in criticism. And everyone, I think, kind of the tone around Peyton Manning right now, we talk about him like he's an albatross on the team, and he's holding the team back. So it's all relative, but is it warranted? Every type of criticism is warranted, and when you sign a contract to be a professional athlete, you're going to have to take it from all angles, and that's just the nature of the beast. Um, But as far as I draw the line where it becomes when you're, all right, you've got a guy jumping in the stands or doing a lewd dance in the end zone. I, I get it. I get it. But if you delay a game thing or, or someone's celebrating an injury, uh, I, I get it. But at the same time, I draw the line when you're handing a ball to a kid in the stands. A kid. When the NFL sits there and promotes up and down, they're all about the kids. They get the play 60. They got the, the all this stuff about um, why I'm a fan. and It's all kids and, like, you know, players kid safety and teaching them football and stuff like that. Then you're going to go out and penalize a guy for making an enjoyable experience, an unforgettable experience for a kid. It, it's kind of an oxymoron
1: alright guys who's in the Super Bowl big question who we got going to the Super Bowl you first Anthony uh,
0: New, New England and Carolina
2: yeah Jeff. rematch uh, yeah I to say the same thing New England and uh, Carolina and it just shows you the whole deflate gate and the next year they're back in the Super Bowl uh, that sucks as a Jeff fan by the way which I am
1: and we we, we we feel for you Jeff we really do I got the same thing I got Carolina and I got the Patriots in the Super Bowl rematch and, and I got you know, and
2: Brian and guys I hope this the last time we see Manning and Brady. I'm not one of those nostalgic people. The the Steelers, the Broncos. So it's lived its course too. Yeah, and the Patriots have just been for 10 years. It's all I see on TV. And I hope this is this is the last time. Well, For 10 years
1: I've been this. watching John Cena and I've been complaining and people keep telling me <laughs> to shut up. So I'm no, going to tell I, the same I, thing, I Jeff, come on.
2: I can't deal with this anymore, man. Hopefully this is the last freaking time because uh it's just uh, you know, it's it's cr- it's crazy, you know I, I as a jets fan and the jets fans coming out of me like enough <laughs> you know enough it, it it it's time for somebody else to step it up, but what, the, what fan are you
0: well i gotta get my i got get my shots in on jets fans when I can I'm a Dolphins fan, so uh oh, wait well, you're from New York
2: though, so what you you just you just switched over or you were oh no, man
0: when I grew up when I grew up where it was um it was when the dolphins were good and all all that was on the t v were dolphins jets games, and I just for some reason. Uh, my brother's eight years older than me when I was, like, five. He's, like, brought on all the logos of the team. But I was playing with my toys. He's, like, pick one, and I just picked the <laughs> Dolphin. And then I stuck with it, and they were on TV all the time. So I grew up, a, uh, unfortunately, I picked the wrong team. They, they should never um, change the logo.
2: I like the I like the old Dolphin logo with the little helmet on it. That's a
0: consensus. That's a consensus. Should've but, have. you know what? And they shouldn't have, but. You know, it's an organization that's so disarray, and that's a whole topic for another day. <laughs> I, like, I can sound off about that for,
1: for hours. There you go, but, another uh,
2: topic
0: for uh, when yeah. we start the
2: NFL season again. Yeah, we well, we'll get there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, Anthony, thank you. We, we, we can't begin to thank you enough for coming on. It's great. Like you said, we can go hours and hours. We can talk about wrestling, football. That's the great thing about it. It's, we all have somewhat different opinions. I mean, for some reason, we've been agreeing all day today, which is fine. It's fine, because we're passionate uh, I mean, about it.
2: I, I think, too, that, you know, we get into the wrestling, and you see, you hear our enthusiasm, and you know, when we talk about NXT and we talk about where they're going and they're progressing, you hear the enthusiasm in our voices, you know. And then you hear the frustration when we talk about Raw, SmackDown, Mania, the Rumble and stuff. And I think we all had great points when it came to how we saw the outcome of the Royal Rumble, too. But, um, no, it's it's been a great conversation. And, uh, again, Anthony, I really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, again, really great insight and stuff. And uh, definitely... Uh, you know, you can be a friend of the show whenever, and uh, I totally appreciate you. Uh, you know, coming on, Re- really do.
0: Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you coming on. I'd love to come on again in the future. And, uh, and
1: Anthony, one, one more thing, I wanted to add in because since we're all wrestling purists here, and I ask everybody who talks about wrestling, I ask them this question. And I know there are a lot, so you're gonna have to, you know, sum them down just to one. Your favorite match you ever saw that you can watch over and over again from your childhood.
0: Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, WrestleMania 25.
1: Ah, nice.
0: Ah. Best match I've ever seen in my ah. life. Absolutely. And a cold second would be Savage and Steamboat. That's
1: exactly three. my three.
2: Where do you rank uh, Molina versus Alicia Fox in your... <laughs> is that is that in your top ten, or... What's that? What Molina versus Alicia Fox. Uh, what was that?
1: That would be right up there with Santina Morella, you know, okay, winning you the title. I'll put
2: Molina in the... I'll put Molina in the top ten
0: best entrances. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, no, nah, I just wonder if you got that reference when uh, when uh, Cameron was telling was was with Steve Austin and tough enough and asked and he asked her what her, what her uh, favorite match was. You remember that? No, I don't remember that. Oh remember yeah, no. He asked, that. and then she goes, uh, Molina and Alicia Fox, and he's like, What? <laughs> he goes, That's your favorite match of all time. I thought he was going to get that.
1: Yeah, he wasn't going in gimmick mode. He really said, What? <laughs> did, what did you just say? Are, are you kidding me? Have all this history we have of, of wrestling—that's your favorite match. But
0: have, have you ever been to Mania? No, I haven't. But I'm going next year because it's going to be in Orlando, so that's going to be the first. You thing you you, I go you, you have it on a high, uh,
2: like
1: you, you on your bucket you think,
2: list. Like, what's your percentage that you think it's in in Orlando?
0: Um, I I think it's. Um, I think I heard something, rather I didn't huh? read for sure, but I think it's in Orlando next year. Okay. Well, they placed their bid. From,
1: they play, Orlando put their their name in the hat. Supposedly, it was supposed oh, to be in Minneapolis. I.
0: Well, I'm gonna. This, this is me. This is me. Um, wishful thinking, man. <laughs> I hope they they nail uh, Orlando, and it makes sense because they can put a big NXT event on. Uh, it just makes sense, and they can bring a lot of global attention to the performance center and the NXT. So it makes a lot of business sense. So um, I'm hoping it's in Orlando because that's a three-hour drive for me that I'd be glad to make.
2: Oh, then then we've gone to we've gone to the New York Mania, and then it was so it was so good the, ex- the experience that. Brian turned to me and he was like, "We're going 30." I was like, "Okay, you know, I'm down. Count me And New Orleans—have you ever been to New Orleans? No, I have not. Oh, you—you you need to go. Yeah, I'll just leave <laughs> that. You need to go. Wink, wink.
1: You—you you can tell by the tone of Jess' voice that you really need to head over to New Orleans need, as need soon to as possible. To go
2: back to New Orleans. No, it—it it was really great. And then we went. Uh, and then we're like, we turned to each other and like, we got to do it again. And so we went to uh, Santa Clara. So now we're going to Manian, Texas in Texas, and Jerry World, and we're doing the whole shebang. We're going, you know, going to take over the Hall of Fame and stuff like that. And and uh, definitely, though, it, it, it's something like, you know, you got to experience it, and I would make fun of people when they would go to their Star Wars convention, and I'd be like, look at these losers, you know? And then, and then we go, and then everyone's. Dressed and up then as Jeff is right?
1: dressed up as Randy Savage. And, yeah. yeah,
2: and it's yep. it's basically a convention too. So no, I mean really, uh, I can't say enough about those experiences. And we're gonna go to Jerry World too, and we're gonna do like a little uh, little diary too, uh, you know, and and uh, and you know just
1: Documenting everything we're doing there. Yeah. No. Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing, Anthony. I mean, this is something you haven't gone to, and and. For your case, I hope so. For me and Jeff too, I'd love to go to Florida. I've never been to Florida, believe it or not. So I'd love to go to Orlando if the next year's WrestleMania is there. But I have to let you know, it is addictive. You, you like to say I'm only going to do it once, and that's what I said come WrestleMania 29. After after a while, you're like, no, I got to go to another one. The the experience, you're you're back into a kid again, which we all are because we're talking about professional wrestling, so we're all kids on the inside anyway. But, Anthony, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We, Like I said, we've said it before. We'll say it again. We appreciate it. We would love to have you back on again. We know you're a busy man. You were a man of many hats, and hopefully one of the hats you can wear pretty soon, uh, You know, even before WrestleMania, will be uh, the High Spot Podcast coming up.
0: I'd love to, guys. Just let me know the bat time and the bat channel, and I'll be there. And uh, thanks again for having me on.
2: Thank you very much. And uh, again, you can follow him at Anthony tomorrow, too. Uh, get you on there. And again, a uh, great article also, uh, he wrote, uh, again, uh, Contributor Forbes uh, magazine, and also we have your own podcast. And, again, just a man of many hats, and appreciate you coming on.
0: Thanks a lot, guys. Take
2: care. have a uh, Margarita for, uh, for me. Right.
1: And that was Anthony DeMauro. And, Jeff, you are enjoying your lap of luxury, warm and comfy at home, while I'm stuck here in the city in this blizzard, and I can't get out. They've basically closed New York, and I cannot get out, and I'm stuck here in the city oh, all fine. day.
2: you're so in and you toughed it out and you made it and what a great conversation we just had we with uh, Andrew tomorrow we shot the breathe, uh talked about the rumble too and uh, I really wanted to get a preview of the rumble from another fan's perspective and again a guy who wears many hats and a guy that um you know, we should have asked him also too, and maybe we'll ask him again in the future is, you know, what got him into doing what he what he to what he's doing now, you know, like well, what you know, where did he find his passion and stuff? But again, you know, it's you know, he's gonna be a good friend to the show and uh we were gonna have him on again. But again, just getting back to the rumble, um, I think, you know, um I uh, you know, I, I think that uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. I don't think it's gonna be like last year. I think it'll be a good one, Brian. I
1: I agree. I mean I was hesitant at the beginning, but now looking at this in terms of all the possibilities you can have at the end of the conclusion of the Royal Rumble, I gotta let you. I gotta, I gotta tell you the truth, Jeff. I'm I'm getting pretty pretty psyched up for what's gonna happen afterwards. I mean, I, I'm just there's no set, clear cut way how it's gonna end, and that that itself is what makes it more exciting for me. So I can't wait for that. Before you know, it, it's gonna be Fastlane, and then right around the corner is gonna be WrestleMania. And I can't wait to go to Dallas. Never been there. And we're going to have a great time as we have WrestleManias prior to this. And just a bright spot. I hope the momentum continues. That's all my hope is. And with the Bullet Club, with what's going to happen, with all the other avenues with NXT being, a to me, the brand to watch, the future looks pretty bright, Jeff.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, again, the fan of me wants it to be a great show tomorrow. But then also the host of me, would be like, if they tease me, and they don't bring out AJ Styles, or if they don't surprise me, and Daniel Bryan doesn't come out, a man who's been cleared by several doctors, to, 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 he's fine, and he doesn't show up, I cannot wait to get back on this mic and rip them apart, so I'm, I'm, I'm torn, but again, the fan of me will always supersede the host of me, and I hope it's a good show, and have a hot, and have a hot chocolate on me, how about
1: that? Yeah, I hope you choke on that marshmallow, that's Jeff Martin, I and Brian Berger, you guys have been listening to the High Spot Podcast, again, you can catch us on Twitter with your comments, your remarks your inclusion into this at Highspot Podcast on Twitter. For Jeff Martin, I'm Brian Berger. Jeff, stay warm, and I'll catch you next week. All right. Take care.